What's up? This is Jared Forte, and you're listening to Sunday Bumps, presentation of Slangsmith Radio. You so you can uh yeah you can listen to Slangsmith Radio anytime, twenty four seven. If you're in the mood to hear some music, some hip hop, underground hip hop, a little bit of mixed in with a little bit of uh, chill electronic vibes, and you know, nice little mix. You can stream that channel. You can stream that station 24-7. Just visit slangsmith.fm and you can listen to what's playing right now. Well, after you listen to this or anytime, 24-7. All right, let's get into it. So I got Janet vibes from this track from an artist by the name of Veda. And um, and so began the journey that I want to, you know, take you on as we get into this episode of Sunday Bumps. So the song is called Fine. It's a rap and sung collaboration uh, produced by The Count and Falcon. I think I'm saying it right. There's a you know they do the thing where they replace vowels with con- with consonants um so i'm not sure if i'm saying his name correctly but i've been following those producers online for a couple years um the track is not new um it's a couple years old and uh i found it came across it in a pretty roundabout way it's worth kind of talking about how i discovered this track it's a good way to get into a conversation about working across platforms as an artist or a content creator, whatever you want to call it. So Veda has a pretty strong following on SoundCloud. And I think she has somewhere close to nine or 10,000 followers up there. Um, And that's been my primary space for music discovery for years. Um, And, you know, she's connected to a lot of artists that I've been following, but somehow I managed to miss her. It could be the fact that I have a bias towards instrumental music when I'm on SoundCloud. So before we started Slangsmith Radio, the online music station, which again, is on air right now and will be on air whenever you finish listening to this so you can check it out at slangsmith.fm. But before we started that, I started kind of this journey in this part of my musical life by building daily playlists on SoundCloud. I was writing to those playlists and then I was tweeting out the music discovery and written pieces. Yeah, so my primary motive when I was searching for for music was to find some stuff that I could vibe to and, and write to. So my stream on SoundCloud had a lot of instrumental music. So that might be why I might have missed her. So I've been using Spotify Um, for less than a year but what I've noticed is a lot of the producer instrumental artists DJs beat makers it's really hard to know exactly how to describe this collection of instrumental artists that I've been finding a lot of them have migrated some of their catalog on Spotify one advantage is um, for Spotify over SoundCloud is this huge catalog so when you want to put together a playlist you can easily pick from classic material from the past mix it with new stuff and really kind of find a mood that you can vibe to 
one thing Spotify doesn't have is the same community feel as SoundCloud's. The artists who built up followings into into the tens of thousands on SoundCloud can make a few bucks off of streaming when they migrate over. It's nothing like earth shattering, you know, it's not rock star money, but there's a lot of people who are maybe five or six years in the game who've been, you know, on SoundCloud since they were a teenager, honing their craft and they build up a nice following. So by the time they hit college age, they could make a few thousand bucks. Uh, that's enough to allow them to keep making stuff, you know? Um, another overlooked advantage that I think is really cool about Spotify is in the long run, it really allows artists to capitalize on the lifetime value of their fans in a much more friction-free way. Um, the business model for an instrumental producer you either trying to get music placed which is awesome you can place music that you create with um, a mainstream artist or someone who has a budget that can afford to compensate you fairly for it um, a lot of the artists they are also DJs so they can earn you know earn money performing live shows or doing DJ gigs um, there's a few different ways to do it but that the ability to have your catalog accessible to a whole audience of people who are listening to music that is like what you make. Um, you can really capture a fan and over the course of time, you know, even though the, the pennies, um, the streams start rolling in as pennies over time, when someone's really rocking with you, you can really um, have a strong connection with them and, and it can be lucrative over the course of years. So through this process, um, I, I discovered, that's how I discovered Veda. It was a producer that I recognized on SoundCloud and she had done a collaborative song with that producer. So I heard her voice and then I clicked over and saw what else she did and then there we go. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the music. Um, I mentioned that it gave me Janet vibes. So let's bump and then I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by that. So by Janet, in case you hadn't figured it out, I'm talking about Miss Jackson, if you nasty. She's on tour right now. A cool girl that I know from around this way had an Instagram story up from one of the shows. But my Janet vibes go back to before music. Janet Jackson was first for me, Penny on Good Times. And miraculously, at the same time, thanks to reruns and syndication, she was also a teenage Charlene on different strokes. She had that wholesome girl next door vibe with her extra body in her hair, skin tight, dark denim, probably Gloria Vanderbilt or Calvin Klein. Um, and she would always be wearing one of those blouses that looked almost Victorian with ruffles and buttons and all kinds of stuff. I knew Janet's music from the 80s, Control, Rhythm Nation, and I knew the sound, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis. Um, they were raised up in the same Minneapolis hotbed that gave us Prince. They were architects of 808 pop, which sort of crossed funk and soul into top 40 radio type music. 
Um, so I heard the sound. I, I only recognized it, though, in retrospect. I was a preteen when Control came out. My only window into the world of music was, um, well, secular music, was the weekly episodes of Soul Train that were recorded and interspersed with episodes of Sanford and Son. Yeah, so we didn't, we didn't have cable, so with only three channels, we spent a lot of time in the 80s watching television from the 70s. <laughs> Taping reruns of episodes that you've seen a thousand times. I guess nowadays, you would just buy the season. But back to Janet. Janet was a great performer. Um, and she had some great videos, you know, in especially with Rhythm Nation. The only place I could ever see videos, really, though, didn't have cable and TV. It was a show on NBC called Friday Night Videos. Um, but that show wasn't really that popular in my household. It came on late on Fridays is where I saw Thriller, um, you know, when that came out. But it wasn't that popular in my household because it was a mix of rock and pop and not a lot of stuff that my uncle would be listening to. So we didn't see it a lot. But I did see Janet up there. Um, it wasn't until like 93, though, that I really got into Janet. Her album, Janet, <laughs> was the one that kind of made me really pay attention. And I, I guess she kind of matured beyond sort of just dance pop to doing some other other things. And then really my favorite album from Janet is Velvet Rope, came out in 97. I was old enough to have a lived experience and be able to relate to music in a different way by the time Velvet Rope came out in 1997. I was fresh off a deployment to Bosnia, living in Germany, dating Anna, the woman who would become the mother of my oldest child. And I was pretty immersed in the club scene. I routinely went out dancing four nights a week catching a different party with a different vibe in a different city each night. Anna didn't go out very often, but she didn't seem to mind that I did. She was in college studying engineering. So our time together was usually weekend days and cafes, quiet afternoons, and then the occasional night at the club. But Velvet broke. Velvet Rope was the type of album I could listen to on the first train out of town on a Saturday morning 
after spending all night in the best club in a new city. That train to a little town surrounded by vineyard-covered hills on the banks of the Rhine. I would arrive just as Anna was waking up. We would have breakfast, European breakfast, fresh bread from the bakery down the street with butter, an array of cheeses and deli meats and jams. I would skip the coffee because after breakfast I'd be napping while she worked through the pages long math problems requisite of her engineering degree. By mid-afternoon, I'd be up in Adam because in Germany, that's when you have coffee and cake, almost like tea time in England. It was a great antidote to the mid-afternoon lull and for me it was like another morning. We could walk down towards the waterfront to find a cafe, and they were always bustling during this part of the day because everyone was having coffee and cake. We could hang out and talk and laugh and then stroll along the waterfront through the cobblestone streets of the shopping district and peer in the windows. Later, we'd eat together. Sometimes I'd stay over. Usually I would hop on the last train out to a new city and ease into a new club around midnight where I'd dance until it was time to catch the first train out on Sunday morning. I'd hop on the train, put on some Janet, make my way home. Right, so let's let's talk about collaboration a little bit. I don't have any inside info on how Veda's song that's featured in the playlist came together, but given the geographic distance between all the people who were involved and the prevalence of long-distance collaboration in that world, it's possible that the creative team has never been in the same room together. It's really amazing to think about. I, um, I was mentioning SoundCloud before, the community nature of that platform really facilitates these types of connections. Contrast that with the collaboration between Janet Jackson and the producers Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. That collaboration has spanned decades and has probably included thousands of hours in studio together, experimenting, working things out, and elaborating on ideas. It's really hard to recreate that feeling of being in the room together. Modern music production can technically be a solitary endeavor. All the tools that you need are relatively inexpensive and it's not nearly as difficult as it was in the past to get your music out into a community of early listeners who can give you feedback that can help you experiment and grow and learn very quickly. But at some point, I think every creative person, no matter how introverted or reclusive they are, can benefit from sharing space with a worthy collaborator. Not a leech or a clout chaser, but someone who is as serious as they are, who can add flavor and color to the work. Someone with whom they can grow together 
and someone to help assuage the loneliness that happens when you're in those stuck moments. Someone to celebrate with when you experience those magic, those magical moments that, you know, when something really comes together. So speaking of collaboration further, (laughs) um, around the turn of the millennium, a group of supremely talented musicians, maybe the first generations of musicians of this caliber who had a chance to grow up with hip hop and have it inform the way that they understood and created music. Um, They got together at Electric Lady Studios to make a bunch of revolutionary music. Out of those sessions came The Roots album, Things Fall Apart, D'Angelo's Voodoo, Like Water for Chocolate by Common, and Mama's Gun by Erica Badu. And most significantly, the collective, the Soulquarians, were born during this time. One of the key contributors and founding members of this collective was Mr. James DeWitt Yancey, also known as Jay Dilla a rhythmic architect laying down tracks on the MPC that now sits in the Smithsonian. People like to call the music that came from that time neo-soul, but whatever, whatever you want to call it, it's the result of seasoned and supremely talented musicians who got together for hours on end, day after day, and played and vibed together for months and months on end, and made the music in the old way, like, yeah, on tape and super fat, saturated tape, big budgets. Um, that I, I, you know, I would love to have been there. I hear there's like hours of unreleased material from the jam sessions where they would get together and just jam on Prince's catalog for hours before they got sat down to record music for one of the projects. It's insane. It's insane. But. Working together like that for so long, even if you're not necessarily in one band, you really kind of get to know each other and understand something about each other musically. So on the playlist is a production from a group of people from the Soulquarian Collective. And it's a joint from Bilal's supernova of a debut called Firstborn Second that came out in the summer of 2001. Um, The album features, or this track specifically, features Most Def and Common with Bilal, produced by JD. It's probably my second favorite song on that album, but it's the most appropriate song for the playlist, so that's why I put it here. A little bit about Bilal's background. He's, He's a classical and jazz singer, so, He has incredibly precise and intricate harmonies in overdubbed vocals. And there's touches of of that in the song that's on the playlist. But really what stands out is, um, for me in this song, is how incredibly relaxed and conversational the vocal delivery um, is for the singing part of the song. Um, In so many cases, when you have sung tracks over sort of hip-hop based music the the vocals really have to do the work of creating the melody so 
And because of that, it kind of, in my experience, a lot of times, the vocalist has to do more melodically over a hip hop track than they would if they were working with more conventionally composed songs. But forget all of that in this track. <laughs> he is just doing some, I've never heard anyone situate a collection of lyrics over a track in, in this way. Um, there's a few rhymes, but they seem almost incidental and there's no clear pattern, but the groove just drives and bounces. I mean, it was it's really interesting. Similarly, Most Deaf and, and Common, they play around with their flow um, as they take turns. The song is conceptually consistent. They are all telling stories about love lost and mis misconnections. Um, they, their rhyme patterns in, in the verses are more pronounced, but still they do shift considerably, you know, through through the verse. So the name of the song is Reminisce, and that's it plays off of Pete Rock and CL Smooth's classic, They Reminisce Over You. That song has a really uh, sexy saxophone sample um, that comes from a psychedelic rock song from the 60s that I'm playing right now. Sax samples always jump out to me because I used to play sax. So the first time that I crashed my mom's Dodge Shadow, that song, They Reminisce Over You, was playing on the radio right as the airbag smacked me in the face and a burn of whatever propellant is contained in the airbag singed the hairs of my nose. Um, so that must have been like 1992, uh, late 92, early 93. So, yeah, they play off of that classic hip hop track and and Pete Rock and Jay Dilla they they have a lot of connections they both released instrumental hip hop albums in 2001 as a part of the Beat Generation series um from the British label BBE and I think it's pretty fair to say that those releases kind of paved the way for the instrumental hip hop scene that would emerge on SoundCloud a decade later um but yeah just in case you're wondering my favorite song on that album um, is called For You on Bilal's album, First Born Second. Oh, he's stunting the whole time. And he, he's like, you know, doing all these riffs and runs. So it's a, it's a bit much, but it's the first proper song of the album. So, you know, this is a brand new artist I haven't heard before. Um, there's an intro. I don't know why artists, you know, do intros because I always have to skip them because they're usually pretty lame. Notable exception Drake's intro on Scorpion is a proper banger, but usually I have to skip through the intros. But this song for you is the first song that I heard from this artist. And he's like talking cash shit. And like, I'd never heard anything like it before. Not in that configuration. The vocals felt like Curtis Mayfield a little bit, but with added harmonies that were like, these really sophisticated classical and jazz harmonies mix that in with some wails and riffs that sound like uh, a singing preacher or prince. And, and that's what you got on, on that song and, and the instrumental. So what we got, we got like, it's like timpani drum fills 
an organ stab, a horn riff that resolves into a string riff, a gnarling, growling, saw synth. And then like the foundation is a meandering collection of chopped guitar samples and sparse bass line. Laying that on top of some straight ahead boom bap. Let, let me just play a little bit of it. like I've gone all over the place but let me at least tell you what more rounds out the playlist there are a few other joints uh, on the playlist that are tied sonically or thematically um it's about 30 minutes long so you can listen to it on your lunch break or something and I don't want to take all the fun out I could have added a lot more songs to the playlist but I want to keep the playlist short and I want to give you a chance to kind of go down the wormhole and discover more music from these artists so you can check out the playlist. There'll be a link in the description of this episode, or you can go over to slangsmith.fm forward slash the pods. That's T-H-E-P-O-D-S. And, you know, you can find the featured playlist section on that page and, and check it out. Go ahead and follow me on Spotify. Follow that playlist and follow me so you can see uh, what I might be cooking up for future episodes. So Sunday Bumps is a production of Slangsmith Radio. You can check us out at slangsmith.fm to stream the 24-7 music channel and to read more stuff about this episode. Sunday Bumps was written and produced by G Forte. Come holla at your boy on IG at G underscore I-V-T-E, like the Roman number four I-V-T-E. You see what I did there? Um... G underscore I-V-T-E on Instagram. You can holler at me over there. And um, yeah, I'll be back in a couple weeks with another installment of Sunday Bumps. In the meantime, um, you can catch me over at at the Slangsmith Radio with G Forte and Nikki Fader's podcast available on most platforms. Uh, I'll be releasing some stuff in between Sunday Bumps episodes over there if you just want to check in and hang out. Yeah, thanks for rocking with me for a minute. Hope you have a wonderful week. Catch you later.